This week is a conversation with my girl, Casey Rivero, and we talk about our recent experience with the sacred toad medicine, Bufo. Bufo contains a potent compound called 5-MeO-DMT, which enables a very hard, fast ascension. And with that ascension, the possibilities are endless. You can see God, you can unlock gifts and so much healing. It's you got to listen to the episode to, to see what's possible. But with that ascension, we are human and what goes up must come down. So Casey and I have been on that roller coaster ride and we share all about it. Highlights from this episode. The difference between DMT and 5-MeO-DMT. The difference between sitting with ayahuasca and sitting with bufo. Details into my ceremony and how it unlocked my light language. And of course, details into Casey's ceremony where she learned about this deep connection and repeating cycles that she and her mom experienced together and how she can break that cycle. And of course, it's a trip. So we go into so much more. I'm very excited to share this one with you. This is a podcast for anyone who's craving inspiration to reveal their full self, for anyone interested in sitting in ceremony with Bufo, for anyone who thinks that they want to do DMT because it sounds like fun. Hopefully, you'll listen to this podcast, and I I know we're giggling and making light of it, but you'll listen and be like, oh shit, this isn't something you do for fun. This is something you do to do hard work. And it's for anyone who loves a good story in the astral realms. If you'd like to connect with Casey or myself, you can find all of our information in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, check out the show notes for related topics. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode and leave me your review. And of course, share with a friend. Your generosity in sharing this podcast and leaving your review is the way to help me grow. So if you really have gained something from this podcast, whether it's your two seasons in or one episode in, doing something as simple as sharing or typing up a short review, it it gives so much more than you could ever imagine for me and helping my my dreams of this podcast growing. And when you do write that review, make sure you take a screenshot and share with me so that I can give you a personal thank you. You are listening to the School of Whispers podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie, and this is my space to get real, open, and weird about my life experiences as a psychic, medium, energy healer, and student of Chinese medicine. On the show, I'll be sharing my healing journey and the concepts I've learned along the way, and I'll be having guests on talking about the same sort of thing. I am so happy you're here, and I hope this show leaves you feeling inspired and empowered to learn how to listen to the whispers of your own body and spirit. Let's get into the show. Welcome, everyone, back to the show. Welcome, Casey, (laughs) back to the show. Say hi. Hi, guys. We are well fed. We just sat in Hape ceremony. We are getting ready to finally talk about our wild and crazy and crazy and wild experience with the one and only Bufo. Bufo. (laughs) (laughs) Also known as 5-MeO DMT. So before we dive in, I want to briefly explain what is 5-MeO DMT, who is Bufo. To start, Bufo is also known as the uh, Bufo alvaris or the Sonoran frog or Sonoran desert toad found in actually in North America in the desert in around kind of Colorado, Arizona area. And when you excrete their toxic venom, I think it's you know, it's funny. In my research, I hear that it's either behind the eyes or glands right underneath their ear. I don't think they have ears, but glands around their neck. I don't know. But 
you you extract that venom and inside of it is a chemical compound called 5-MeO-DMT. If you heard my ayahuasca episode, which is linked in the show notes, I talk a bit about what DMT is, dimethyltryptamine, and it's... I'm not going to get into what DMT is. You can literally Google that on your phone right now and you'll get a big list of what it is. But the difference between the DMT that you would find really anywhere else versus 5-MeO-DMT, but I would say the difference between the DMT you'd find in ayahuasca or that you find on the black market is in my, this is according to my research, 5-MeO-DMT is a bit more potent I, I would say it's, I mean, when you find DMT in the black market, it is a quick experience, but with ayahuasca, it's, it's more of a slow trickle of, well, compared to Bufo, it's a slow trickle. It's a lot. Ayahuasca is a lot, but it's about eight hours of a DMT experience that's really progressed. And we're going to talk about the differences between DMT in ayahuasca ceremony versus DMT in Bufo, but Bufo is kind of everything everywhere all at once. I do want to make a note that I've listened to a couple of podcasts, uh, specifically I'm thinking of one from Luke's story, the Lifestylist podcast, where he has these practitioners on the show and they talk about how you actually don't necessarily need to extract the venom from the toad to have a potent 5-MeO DMT experience. They're actually starting to not fully recommend doing that just because it is a stress on the environment. This is an animal that's part of a very specific ecosystem. And as I mentioned in the podcast talking about Sananga and Combo is this is a finite resource. So we want to be respectful and just know that it's an option. Doing synthetic DMT, what they said in specifically synthetic 5-MeO DMT, what they the practitioners said on the podcast is that it doesn't make a difference. They they still have a very yeah strong potent relationship with Bufo regardless of where it's extracted from. Because what you're gonna hear Casey and I referring to a lot is Bufo as like a consciousness, as like a teacher. We I, we keep on, shit's been weird since ceremony. We keep on saying, <laughs> oh my Bufo. Because <laughs> you can feel, you can feel the spirit, the essence of Bufo dropping in here and there and being like, here's some shit for you to figure out. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have anything you want to say about Bufo case before no. we get into our individual experiences? No, but I am excited to explain the difference between the two, because between Bufo, you know, the straight hit of DMT, and then ayahuasca, huge difference. Mm-hmm. Huge. It, it's typically what happens is you do one big hit, and then you kind of, you see God for about 20 minutes. That was not our experience at all. The practitioner we are with actually titrates it. So she serves three small, smaller hits well yeah. the first one is small to like get an introduction and the second one is bigger so they t- she titrates it up the dose and then the last one is a big dose but that being said you did the big dose at the end i felt like i could not do any more <laughs> than that medium yeah. <laughs> medium dose because yeah um yay oh god talking about this makes me miss it the being in it the after part Eh. not so much much. but yeah you want to change your life go get your hands on some dmt but be ready for a long long uh road of integration after that one yeah if you want to stir the pot yeah (laughs) yeah change life for the better but also stir the pot yeah do you want to talk a little bit about why you chose to do bufo or because I guess... Stephanie texted me and said, hey, I want to go do another plant medicine. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay, the well, pra- the practitioner goes, do you, like, are you aware of like what it is? And I'm like, I have no idea at all. Frog, that's it. <laughs> so I had made plans to do that before I went to go do ayahuasca, right? Really? 
And then Steffi, she says, let's go do something. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> let's jump off a bridge. Okay, as long as she's doing it with Wait, me. You're the one that jumped off the bridge. Yeah. Yeah, that's Jeez. all alert. Other bungee jumping, nothing crazy. But I saw Casey jump off a bridge and I said. She supported. No, thanks. <laughs> because you did ayahuasca and bufo kind of in close proximity. And something that our practitioner, I, what I really loved is she did a vetting process. She wanted to talk to us on the phone and she said, to me, I don't know if she said to you, but she felt like it was pretty important that I had done ayahuasca before right. doing Bufo. Yeah. Just because it's it's a lot. Oh, my God. It's a lot in the system. Yeah. Well, what I did was I was so I was so caught up in learning about ayahuasca and how to, you know, make most of that experience and integrate from that. And it was so easy. Like it was the most beautiful experience ever. And the integration, I was, I didn't even know what it was. I had people reaching out to me saying, oh, if you need help with integrating. And I'm like, they're trying to like, you know, rope me into some sort of program and take my money and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, integration is beautiful. It's fine. It's nothing. Like I'm the happiest I've ever been in my life. And I saw the most beautiful version of everybody that I came across and and Bufo was like I'll show you integration and oh I'm still I'm still integrating so hard and it's just been crazy I remember your one friend said that it, it kind of fucked him up for at least a year yeah or, yeah I was talking to one of my friends and he's like I'm still integrating how many years has it been since he's done it it's been like a year I think it's gonna take me a lifetime Absolutely. And I can't wait to do it again. So it's something I do want to say is definitely do your research. Definitely like just because we're saying do this, we're not making any recommendations or any, you know, the old caveat. Don't do it because we did it. Fucking think about it. Do it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We were talking earlier today. We were just like, it's so funny because now we look at life and like if something is like you really want to change in your life, we can so easily just be like, go do a plant medicine. Like if you really want change, go do it. And people are just like, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I definitely want to do ayahuasca or do some sort of journey and, and it's just eventually. And it's like, go get it over with. Cause it's going to pay off. Like it is so worth it, but we're also crazy. Yeah, we're also <laughs> a little bit crazy. Make make your path your own. Make your path your own. Okay, I want to talk about the morning before we went to go do it because you have to do it fasted, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. we had to be fasted. And we were going at like 10 a.m. And I, well, okay, the whole time, I mentioned this before, I don't, growing up, I loved psychedelics. I loved tripping on acid, doing mushrooms, doing all those things because I think, (laughs) I think because I wasn't very conscious. And so doing those things brought me to a level of consciousness that was like, wow, look at the world, childlike wonder. And then as I've grown more and more conscious, it's a little bit like, I can feel my nails growing. I can feel all timelines before and after. And it's just not something I do for fun anymore. It's 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 just grown more um, like work, like work yeah. for me. So I was, and especially because of well, so also putting meaning to what you're seeing. Like at yeah. first, you would just kind of sit back and watch that thing like a movie, and yeah. And I guess then I wasn't like, oh, ready shit. to unlock the dark corners. Right. That's why I mean a lot of people have bad trips, and it's because I mean you got a lot of shit that that's opening up and it's not a bad trip it's just you're actually facing a reality that you know but I mean before I can't talk much because before I mean ayahuasca was my first psychedelic that I actually did I mean I've microdosed a million times but never did LSD I did like uh, party drugs but didn't see much you mean like amphetamines yeah yeah yeah, sorry, mom. If you, I mean, my family doesn't listen to this. Um, but yeah, I did. I've done acid quite a few times, and there was one time that I did it, and I was like, no more, <laughs> no more, because I had an absolute uh, <laughs> ego, ego death, questioning everything. Who the fuck do I think I am? So that was kind of my first introduction to oh, things can go south very quickly if you're not ready to face things. And then 
with ayahuasca. I it was tough. It was tough. Listen to that episode if you want to learn more. And of course, you want to hear about Casey's experience, which is totally different from mine, linked in the show <laughs> notes. But it was so hard. And then I remember shortly after I did ayahuasca, not shortly after, like five months after doing ayahuasca, we went to a friend's birthday and she had mushrooms for everyone. And I did I did what I thought was a microdose, was not, flat out having ayahuasca visions, seeing, again, all timelines, past, present, future. And I remember just being around people who were drinking. Some people were on mushrooms and laying on my back being like, fuck. So yeah, I was scared. Yeah. Morning of Bufo, long story short. Oh, yeah. Back I was scared. <laughs> Casey was excited. But I realized part of... I had I had been doing a lot of work about around people-pleasing. And I realized the morning of Bufo, what I was so desperate was, is, was for feeling my truth and, like, feeling the full essence of me without holding anything back for anyone else just full pure expression of me and that scared the shit out of me because it had me realizing that I might lose people who I love because they might not be able to handle that full expression of me and it's funny because since doing Bufo that's still coming up that fear of full me is still coming up because I'm afraid that I'm not going to fit into the mold of society and it's it's my ego who's afraid because my higher consciousness knows that there's no pain that comes with knowing you. Yeah, people will fall off and slink off, and but that's not really that painful. I mean, truly, if you're if you're feeling truly, truly grounded and centered and in love, so in love with yourself, it's it's not that hard. But for some reason, a part of me is still hanging on tight. Um, how are you feeling the morning of? Hmm. I was very, I was, I think I was very excited. Um, I didn't really know what to expect. I was excited because this, my, you know, experience with ayahuasca was lovely. So I was like, oh, this is going to be, you know, it can't be that different. And, oh, it was. No, it was still lovely, but. Um, the morning of, yeah, excited, yeah, nervous, excited. but a good, a I guess, nervous. good, nervous, less, like going on a roller coaster. Yeah. Literally. Whereas I, mine was just fear. Yeah. But so when we got there, the practitioner asked us, um, how are you guys feeling? And Casey goes excited. And I say scared. And she looks at me and she goes, then you're going first. And Casey, you're going second. Huh. That flipped the. The roles. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess I should. Also, I think it's important to note that the like because we were just talking about doing it kind of on your own. I do think doing it with a practitioner makes all the difference. Being there with somebody that is of power, that is super connected to source, um, being able to guide you through this, being guided through a trip is going to be a. Ex- like totally different experience than doing it on your own. There's I there's no way you couldn't pay me to do something like that by myself or in a group with people that are of earth. <laughs> I I mean, remember when you sent me that TikTok? Yeah. That was disturbing. It was, well, was it was a, chaotic. Yeah. It was chaotic. Where ours was very peaceful oh setting. Oh my gosh, it was beautiful. And our practitioner is, was a really strong space holder. And something that happens, I mean, when I've done acupuncture on Casey, just regular acupuncture, I've had beans looking over my shoulder. Remember that one time yeah. where I thought my sister was like looking over my shoulder and I was going to turn around and say, Gab, I need space. And it was, it, it was like this, it was not her. And then I closed my eyes and tuned in and it was this like little Indian girl who was just curious. It was just a soul that was curious because when you're working with energy, you, it's, it's, you're like, you're setting off a little antenna and you're attracting other beings. Yeah. And when you're doing something like DMT, the death yeah. hormone, the death drug, the, the life drug, it's, it's not a drug, it's a chemical because it exists within all of us you're calling in so much energy and i think when you're doing it alone you're leaving yourself vulnerable to outer body beings to entities to anything and everything and you're not all there 
So do it with a practitioner. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I guess I'll go into it. Yeah. Okay. <sighs> okay. <laughs> so my intention was to feel my full truth, to feel my full love, and to feel safe in this knowing. So my first round, so again, three titrated hits. The first hit, it was a welcome. I remember hearing, welcome home, welcome home. And when I say home, it, it's, it's, it felt like the place where we come from, the place where we return to. It felt like the matrix was dissolving around me, but very gentle. It was all very gentle. And I think a key portion of that was me saying, I want to feel safe in this knowing. And I felt how safe I truly am and how safe we all are. I've lived a lot of my life really fearful of the world, of strangers, of of so many things and feeling like I need protectors and realizing, no, I I am protected. And I at first I started crying because I was thinking, I've lived my whole life so afraid and it's always been there. And, it, and Bufo showed me really quickly in all these little snips and I don't know how much time this took. My whole experience is actually two hours and I could have kept on going. Um, but I felt all these snippets of the reality of my safety. And at first I started crying and then I started uncontrollably giggling. Had both of us cracking up. I remember you told me our practitioner was trying, was crying. Yeah. holding it back saying god we're so silly we're so silly i've always been safe and i and it's it's not even as much as i didn't know i just refused to acknowledge that safety because i'm human i have ego and i never won't have ego and ego doesn't trust so easily i feel like this whole bufo experience really expanded the connection between ego and consciousness it's not like it dissolved my ego it it just helped things weave in a lot more smoothly and then so after the whole silliness i heard bufo say do you want to hear your song and after ayahuasca i felt i had little chirps and buzzes and hums that came out of me in ayahuasca that minute 30 seconds later, somebody in the room would cry or puke. And after a couple, a while, I kind of realized, oh, these chirps and hums and little things, little shakes, they have to do with healing, like helping people transmute things. And since then, in my healings with other people, I always felt this song wanting to come out of me. And actually, I mentioned it in my podcast with Danica, talking about light language, how I felt this wanting this song wanting to come out but I was kind of telling myself like oh Stephanie don't be don't be weird don't be too weird because people didn't sign up for the freak show which is such such a fucking silly silly way so silly (laughs) silly human so I remember just saying I so badly want to hear my song second hit it's kind of hard to fully recall all of this Uh, I wrote it all down, so I'm kind of reading off of what I wrote. But I remember it was really easy to forget my breath and having having to really breathe like that. And as I was breathing, which reminded me a little bit of ayahuasca, now looking in hindsight, I was so reserved in ayahuasca, but to me, I was so open out in the open because I remember in ayahuasca I was ah, ah, the whole time <laughs> not the whole time but a lot of the time especially the come up and I thought I was being like oh so open people are seeing me just sighing and moaning and no like I was reserved in comparison to Bufo so I remember like with my breath I start sighing and then some song was playing with a sound bowl and someone, some woman was singing in the song, and all of a sudden, my voice just climbed to the height, the decibel of that <laughs> song, to a point that I, I'm not a singer. I don't, I, I've never really been like, you know, like some people are, they're singers. I, that's not me. But my voice, it went to a point that I never, ever heard come out of me. Me neither. <laughs> oh yeah, by the way, Casey's on a couch watching sitting behind her watching all this and like 
oh my god, I'm not doing this. <laughs> I'm not doing this. For, you forgot to mention her body coming up and moving into like just it was beautiful. She was like dancing, laying down. But I was like, I'm not that flexible. Like, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna pull something. <laughs> well, actually, something to men- mention. I remember I had had my hand crushed <laughs> shortly, shortly before. My hand was so black and blue and so tender, like I could barely move it. My hands were dancing along with me, and I did not feel any pain at all. Her toes. Everything was dancing. Everything was moving. So yeah, I was writhing and wiggling. And then light language started coming out of me. And every and I remember laughing at how good it felt. It was I had moments where my human was watching and listening, thinking, what the fuck is going on? What is she saying? And then feeling how pleasurable it felt and just laughing how good it felt. Um I I felt a family member who I have I at the time I was having a really hard growth growing pains with and in setting a boundary and having to cut off communication it was really sad and hard and low and so I felt that family member come in and I felt so much compassion for their suffering for their path for their ego and I felt really so much respect for their path I felt love for my mom I, and I remember I screamed a lot. I raged and it just flowed between pleasure, rage. And I remember feeling like, like my DNA was being rewired, feeling like little tick, 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 and seeing like golden being like swooshed into my body. And I remember feeling sad that every time I, my human dropped in and was like, oh, this isn't going to last forever my guides or whoever was there just started laughing like you silly girl this is forever this is you and like this is real truth and they they told me when you walk the path of truth then everything fake falls away i saw the image of a path through a forest towards the light and everything on the trees it was like hyper focused to the light and the trees on the side was everyone's judgment towards me or anyone's resent any family member or friend or in the past or past lover like their resentment or disrespect all of that was just that they poured at me was totally fake and untrue because it was their own. They were just projecting it at me. So it really helped me really slink off any like, I guess, evil eye, anything that I believed was my fault because of someone else's reaction. And one thing I do want to say is Casey was watching me screaming. And I remember you were like, shouldn't she stop her? And oh, well, that was the second, the third round. But if you watch anyone do Bufo, you're like, what the fuck? Because um, I watched some documentaries and it freaked me out. For me, in my personal experience, those screams and rages felt so yeah. good. It all felt good. Every expression that came out was pure pleasure. And then at the very end, I remember I was like calling out like a little bird. And I realized I was calling my higher self. I met my higher self, who I call Vishada. Well, that's a whole other connection, though, that I think I have to yeah, save for another podcast or towards the end. But I remember she came in and she looked like this big cat, like a blue cat. And I reached my arm out and she grasped my forearm and we kind of grasped each other. And then she sat down and laid down next to me with her big ass cat green eyes who kind of remind me of Vida's eyes. Something that's weird we were just talking about before recording is my eyes are changing color. My eyes have always been brown. And as I've done work, they kind of shifted more to like light brown. And now they're like a green brown, more greenish. I have so many people stopping me now telling me how green my eyes look. I've never ever had green eyes in my life. And that was like my higher self's eyes. So I remember just feeling her next to me and that felt good. All right. Took a break. I came to a little bit. I remember I had to go pee. And then I, a cat, I walked into a cat that was our practitioner's cat. I'm getting all these downloads about cats. (laughs) Not going to (laughs) go. Well, actually, I guess I'll say really quick. 
I did learn, maybe it was between the first and second hit. I don't know. I remember learning that, you know, cats are kind of spastic. And when an energy comes in, they're kind of like, whoa. It's because they don't really have as much of a skill as we do in quelling down emotional reactions and energy. They It, it flows through them so easily, like a child. And that's why they're so pure and clear. But that's just something, that's just something I learned about cats that I thought was kind of interesting. Okay, round three. As I laid back for round three, I laid back and I felt my mouth drop and my tongue stick out. Like, I don't know if you know who Kali is, the goddess of chaos, but that's a huge part of her. She sticks out her tongue. And I've felt Kali before when I had done ayahuasca, I, a couple months after, actually around this time of year, around February, March, I started having visions in bed, kind of like post-ceremony, all of a sudden my body's back in ceremony and I'm dropping in and I started having all these freaky visions and then finally tuned in and asked, who's giving me these visions? It was Kali. And I kind of learned that while Kali's so powerful and she, she really is she brings this beautiful sexuality and a lot of really cool stuff. She's also kind of a tough bitch who just doesn't give a shit. She's chaos. She she brings in what she brings in. And while she's a protector, she's not really worried about what you deem as comfortable or not scary. So when I felt Kali come in this time, so after that point, when I first introduction to her last year, every time I felt her come in, I was like, oh, fucking great. But this time around, I felt her and I remember feeling this invitation. Come in, sister. You're my sister. Come in. Come through. I remember my voice changed. I noticed that there's three kind of tones to the light language and there's three essences sort of to it. And I felt the Kali essence, I guess. I don't know. But this isn't all chronological at this point. But I remember like just healing my, my, like, my, my womb space, my reproductive space and feeling so free and then I I'm not going to get into the details of this because it's really not my thing to share it's not my trauma to tell but it was a trauma that was sitting in me I experienced traumas that my parents went through and I really had that firsthand experience of what it means to carry your your parents and your ancestors shit and the in these traumas my parents were were so young they weren't able to express in the way that they needed to express to release and so i did it for me through them it was like i was in there i had visions of being in their trauma and just screaming and raging and crying in the way that i know for a fact that they weren't able to do and i remember the practitioner coming up behind my head and touching my head and then she walked away for a second i was like come back please and she started petting my head and telling me how i'm so beautiful and so worthy and safe and loved and i realized that she was soothing my parents in the way that they never were able to be soothed and towards the end so i've i've connected with two of the souls of my children at different points in my life like my future children i'm not a parent yet and there was always this one third soul who always it was a faint light trickle of a soul and i remember one time my friend gave me a micro this it seems to be a common theme a microdose that wasn't a microdose she gave me a capsule last year of like 0.3 grams of mushrooms that knocked me on my ass and i felt that third soul of that child trickle in and I was like, why can't I feel you? Are you going to die? Are you going to die? And and I'm meant to just like have a child and lose a child. And I remember negotiating with her. What can I do? What can I clear out so that you can come in? And it just never was fully clear until this moment in Bufo. I cleared out my parents' trauma. And then I felt like a baby was being placed on my chest. And I thought it was my mom being placed on my chest. But after I like, I remember bringing my hands to my chest and I was like, oh this is that third, that third baby. And I had this realization by clearing out that trauma that was in, encoded in my DNA, I made space for her to come 
earth side. So that was also really, really powerful. And yeah, I really just, at that point, I just started clearing out a lot of sexual trauma that was through my lineage on both my mom and my dad's in, in my ancestral side. I remember just like feeling like great grandparents, great, great, great grandparents, and just clearing out that line within me. And I could have kept going. I remember our practitioner kind of tapping me being like, are you here enough where maybe, maybe like, do you want to walk over to this mat over in the corner because it's Casey's turn? And I was like, oh, 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 hello, hello, humans. (laughs) (laughs) And Q and Casey, your turn, my friend. Yeah, so (laughs) I was up next after Stephanie just, I'm literally sitting in the corner with my eyes wide, tail tucked, just like, I don't want to go. I don't want to do that. And uh, then it was my turn. And it was, I was so nervous. One of the things that ayahuasca kind of brought up for me that I need to work on is like balancing my masculine feminine and diving a little more into my feminine and the receiving. So that was my intention for Bufo. I took my first dose. Oh, I'm sorry. Can I say something really quick about the crown? Yeah. Uh, So when Casey took her first dose, I was sitting on a couch behind her, right in line with her crown, and I was trying to meditate and just calm down because you're not not supposed to look at the person as they ascending ascending, because you're you don't want your energy to get muddled and muddled to muddle theirs. And I was sitting in line with her crown and I was getting all these visuals of reptiles walking through sand through the sunset. And Casey kind of realized that she's a bit, she's got like some sort of connection with reptilian reptiles. And, and for those of you who are like, uh, yeah, like what the (laughs) fuck? Like, well, for those of you who know about like the whole reptilian thing, not all are bad. Not yeah, all are bad. Good ones. Yeah, it's like humans. Some humans suck. Some are great. Yeah. It's just um, I remember see, and then I remember the practitioner being like, "Stephanie, scooch over. You're in line with her crown." And I was like, "Oh, that's mm. why I'm seeing Casey and her people." She's laying on the couch with her bowl of fruit, just like <laughs> like a little mouse. eating like a little. <laughs> you were so cute. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I took my first dose and my head was very, like, she had us ground pretty hardcore before and I was still just like every thought and it's so hard to put this experience to words, like, cause it's not visual, but there's visuals, but (laughs) you hear things, but it's so hard to explain. So anyways, um, I take my first one and just a million thoughts are going through my head. It felt like I was in a busy city and just so many moving parts. And I was just like, like, holy shit, this is it. Like, this is what, this is DMT. And just like, and I'm like, oh my God. Okay. So you're here for this reason. So sit back and relax. And just my brain finally started. I feel like it took, you know, I feel like the, my first trip was 50 seconds and it was 15 minutes, but Towards the end, I think, I kind of started, you know, seeing things and my grandfather came in and that my mom's dad, I miss him so much and it was like so shocking for him to come in. Just the water work started and that's my other problem is that I, you know, I'm trying to work through is expressing my emotion and crying because the, you know, the time before that I hadn't cried since ayahuasca and before that it was like a year. So I, the waterworks started and I'm just crying because of my grandfather. He's caused my mom a lot of pain in her life and created a lot of, uh, of trauma in her. So I spent some time in forgiving him for both of us. And then I asked about my grandma both of my grandmas are still here i asked about my grandma katie who's on my dad's side and i was like is she gonna die and he's like well yeah and i was like what like what do you mean he's like you're everybody's gonna die <laughs> like and um death for you. Death for yeah you. you're gonna die you're gonna die and all of a sudden the fear of death just was like gone because it's like what is death and also my his 
his wife, I call her Bima, she is currently in a nursing home and has been, you know, suffering from dementia for the past 10 plus years. I see her there with him. So then now I've been on like this human rabbit hole of like, what is dementia? And does your, and I'm, I think her soul is there with him and her body is just stuck here. And I told him and gave him permission to take her because, you know, what a horrible suffering. Their, their souls are connected. And as soon as he passed away, she literally lost her mind. Mm. And it's just so crazy to see the human body be able to do that. So anyways, I just like felt like I had a million questions that I wanted to ask him about death and stuff. And then it just started to go away. And I was finished with my first dose, hysterically crying. And you weren't really, you were more of a Buddha. Yeah. Oh, I just laid there and laid there. You you cried like a, it was very, not a controlled cry. I wouldn't say that. It was just a, a weep. It wasn't a really. <gasps> I, I felt like it like was screaming. No, you were just weeping. It's in comparison. I was a banshee. And oh my gosh, Casey was a Buddha. Yeah. If I saw Casey do it before I did Bufo, I would have been like, "Easy, I can do this." Yeah. Yeah. Um. So then she asked if I was ready to go up in the dosage. I was like, "Oh yeah!" Like I was so ready to get back into that and just like figured I could pick up kind of where I left off, but it took me to like a totally different um, place. So I took the hit, I laid back and um, the whole time I was like, me and my, it was a lot about my mom and healing that stuff. And uh, I couldn't tell the difference between who she was and who I was. So it was like a lot of looking in a mirror and like, I'm her, but she's me and then her child, her as a child, and then me, and her as a teenager, and then looking down, and it's my body, and it was just very beautiful seeing how connected we are, and then hearing how some of the karmas in this lifetime she hasn't fulfilled. Then you know, start things started coming up about her and my dad, and love, and that kind of karma, and trying to separate our lives because she is now older and has gone down one path and I don't want to follow that path and and I did see that there was like the similarity in our path up until this point but now it's funny because I'm doing the work and now her life is also changing as well and it's just so cool because it doesn't matter and she's doing the work now too yeah yeah and I got her to do the work as well and I'm so proud of her I love you mom (laughs) And um, just like, oh, one of the big messages was that, you know, she could have only been loved by my dad as much as she loved herself. Mm. So it didn't matter. It didn't matter, you know, who was put in into her life. So the second one was mostly about my parents and that. I remember crying so hard during that one. Oh, no. Uh, Was that one the one I saw Willie? God. (laughs) Willie's got to come in yeah yeah will (laughs) for those who aren't aware who is willie willie's my dog (laughs) so and in ayahuasca the the one thing that got me crying was thinking about how much i love my dog just like this overwhelming sense of love and gratitude for this little dog alien He came in and I was just like, I don't ever want him to die. (laughs) And they were like, well, his soul, his body's going to die. But his soul, like the next dog you get is going to be the soul of him as well. And I think he's going to be in the form of a rescue dog. I saw that. So from Frenchie to Mutt. (laughs) So don't ever forget that. Don't ever forget that. We do that shit too. (laughs) Prince in one life, peasant in the other. <laughs> I love that. More like genetically modified yeah. creature to animal. Yeah. <laughs> to real dog. It's just so hard for the human mind to grasp that though. But that's what our bodies do. So I finally like stopped crying over my dog and how much I love him. And, uh, you know, giving thanks to everybody around me. And then she starts beating the drum. 
and all of a sudden it's like I'm dropped into this like naked forest and there's like light snow on the floor and I just see myself and I'm like damn you look good and it was me I was naked and I was like damn you look good and I she was kind of hiding behind the trees and she's slowly tiptoeing around very seductively, chin down, eyes up. I was like, come here. Like, I, what? why are you here? Like, can I talk to you? And she just kept her distance. I was just examining and just was in love with her. I just had a bit of a flashback. Remember one of my first readings? It was beautiful eyes hiding behind yeah, shrubbery. I have that picture still. Yeah, and I remember you telling me she was like hiding behind trees and it was she was teasing you. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So it was crazy. So fast forward, so just while we're on this topic, I had done a hape ceremony when I got home and it was a powerful one. And that exact moment that I ended popped right back into my head so where did the hape vision end again with her walking through the trees and the bufo vision and i'm sorry the bufo with her walking naked kind of keeping her distance like looking at me from far away and i was just like wow like you're like come here come here and a lot of my intention in bufo was releasing this old character that i played in you know getting cheated on or going after this man that is not good for me and unhealthy relationships and unhealthy relationship with myself and the way that I viewed myself. It's just this character. And in my hape ceremony, I was like, that was the character and she was walking away and that was the ego death, which, you know, took a few weeks to understand what that uh, lesson was. Okay, so now back into Bufo. Third ceremony coming up. <laughs> third hit. Third hit. Same ceremony, third hit. Yeah. And holy smokes. So my third hit, she asked if I wanted more, and I told her I don't think I can really contain more just because it was so hard for me to breathe. And Casey said, absolutely, yes. More. More. And I remember thinking, damn, girl. And our practitioner right before serving her said say hi to god for me and i got so spooked (laughs) no at that point i wasn't spooked because i knew what that meant but i was just like here we fucking go yeah so third hit holy shit uh freaking i lay back and just like a gold cream white shapes are you know just it was kind of like ayahuasca visuals were so cool and i was just like holy shit holy shit it's like you're free falling that feeling you get when you're sleeping and you jump up but it was (laughs) for a long time (laughs) and you can't jump (laughs) you're just falling and it felt so good i remember one of the things because i was focusing on the come up and then i'm thinking about we kind of do that in life, like what's next? Or like, what am I waiting for? And you're waiting for this come up and it's like, you're in it. Like you're in the come up of life and just sit back and you know live in that moment because I was like waiting for something else to happen in, in this come up. And uh, I was just like, tap in right now. Like while, while you're on the come up, tap in and enjoy it. Then this, the third one was all about just me and self. I had a visual of me with, like, lenses on these, you know, goggle-looking things and taking them off and being able to see myself as somebody totally different, but me for me. (laughs) I saw my, my soul, like, my being, which is, like, a blue, very large bodied, muscular being, and she walked me to her closet. Well, not her closet, just like the universe's closet. And on the hangers were skins, like our flesh and the faces. And she picked out my skin. So I literally saw like my body saggy and droopy and she put it on and there's me. And she said, 
when I'm being mean to myself, it's like somebody saying, I don't like your outfit and how hurtful that is. And so it made me think about the way that we talk to our body. Our souls picked our body, like our souls picked our skin. And we are so beautiful and we just don't, we forget sometimes. And it's so, we're so mean to ourselves. And she showed me that no matter how beautiful your body is on the outside, if you don't if your thoughts don't align with that, then you're the ugliest thing and you always will be. Well, I remember when on our way to doing Bufo or as I was picking you up in the airport or something, how you said, we were talking about somebody who's so beautiful and you were like, she doesn't believe it, does she? She doesn't believe how beautiful she is. And I said, no, no, she definitely, right. she does not feel it. And it's such a bummer. You go, wow, what a waste. Yeah. That's so funny how you were talking about that, and now you were yeah. being explained what a true, actual yeah. wasted it. Yeah, wasting your time. Yeah, and in my visuals, I saw a lot of like even supermodels that are, you know, what we see as drop dead gorgeous. A lot of them have a lot of shit going on on the inside where it doesn't matter what they look like on the outside because they don't believe it. And uh, that that's something that we need to get over in this in this lifetime. I know a lot of girls battling with that. I see it in a lot in my clients, and it's just like, how come you can't see you the way that I see you? And it's just it doesn't matter. So that is diving inward and taking care of that. Yeah, and I think there's a lot kind of working against us. Almost, I'm not saying that we're victims, but that does sometimes feel like you're swimming upstream, especially in the way I grew up. We we were told being looking a certain way made you important right and if you didn't look that way then you weren't really you didn't really matter and 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 then of course the products the things to buy everything you have to buy things in order to get there and seems like what you learned is no you have to feel it and believe it right and clear it to get there while going through all that i had like a little past life glimpse and it was of me as a super overweight woman with this huge double chin and I just remember grabbing her and just like kissing her everywhere and she never she oh she was like I'm never gonna make like let myself look like this again and um I kissed her all over and I sent her so much love and she told me that she dealt with the karma of living a life of actually being unhealthy. So that's the other thing is like differentiating between we call being unhealthy, being ugly, being overweight is, you know, being unhealthy. So she kind of like explained that to me a little bit. And sh- she said that she fulfilled that in my lifetime, that she put an end to like she will never, ever live a life where she is unhealthy. And so I started you know, being able to look at our bodies and stuff as like, I'm healthy. If you know, you're not fat, you're just not healthy. (laughs) That was it. And then I kind of got sense of, oh, you know, first of all, I can't even explain how good that whole, the whole three felt that was. And just like Stephanie said, having to come back to life, I was just like, please, no, 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 no. So then the third ceremony at the very end, or third hit at the end, uh, I am asking, what else do I need to hear, blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, yeah, I came here to talk about my feminine and all that stuff. And one of my guides were like, we gave you a vagina. Like, we literally gave you the funnest toy in the human body. Have fun. not go you know sleep around but have fun with it yourself and in what did i how did i say it i literally enjoy it (laughs) and you know i think that that kind of turns into i guess the the partners that you've had in the past how it's brought you more grief than pleasure yeah in a lot of ways like that lasting feeling and it's almost like them saying you don't need them yeah to seek to find the pleasure that you're looking for it's right it's right there yeah so that was funny it was they were like it's so cool like you literally have a vagina like how cool is that and i was like (laughs) wow that is so cool and then uh 
before I checked out, I said hello to all of the beings that worked on me in ayahuasca. It was so funny. I looked out and like saw them in like the break room. They were kind of like sitting crisscross, like crossing their legs with their arms slouched over and they were just like one arm wave like, hey, <laughs> so- hey, hey, you. <laughs> so that it was so cool and I just didn't want to get out of it. And yeah. Speaking of that, so... What I, if I could sum up what Bufo has done for us, it's um, pure pleasure within ceremony. It's almost like he says, let me hold you while you have a full body orgasm. Yes. And then, and then. For two hours. Yeah, for two hours or however long. But then when you go into real life, that's where you get fucked. (laughs) It's where the real ceremony begins. (laughs) That's so true. I really... It's so hard because Bufo's so deep and I'm so, there's no regrets, obviously, and I needed to feel that, but it was really hard to get back to the real world because you're in this place where you're so accepted and so loved, and shortly after I came home from doing Bufo, I remember I did, I smoked weed for the first time in a long time and did a long, deep meditation, and I was going to astral project, and my, my higher self said, no, come in. Don't go out. Go in. I want to show you. And she kind of showed me, I guess, like a dimension where we spend a lot of time and we did a whole ceremony together. And I said, I want to see what it's like out there. Because at the time I was feeling, how am I going to bring this light language into the real world? How am I going to show my husband this? How is anyone going to see any of this and not think demon or whatever it was, whatever judgment that I was placing on myself? And I she showed I said I want to see the world that we come from and everyone was so loving and so accepting and it's just not fully like that here and you don't off the bat love and accept yourself sometimes if you've been programmed to think otherwise and so it was just so fucking hard so hard and I think in hindsight looking at ayahuasca one the whole intelligence of the ayahuasca ceremony that I went through where I really had to fully release and let go was so necessary for me to have a good time in Bufo. Because I think that if you have any resistance towards anything that goes on, because it very quickly, within 30 seconds in that second hit, I felt the same experience of beings around me saying, all right, let's go. And the first time I felt that in ayahuasca, it was like a 20 minute battle of me being like, this is awesome this is horrible. I'm going to come with you. I don't know who the fuck you are. I know you. I don't know you. So it, that battle really primed me and I did it. And it was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life in ayahuasca, leaving my body to go with the beans to, to experience consciousness. But it, it, it primed me to be able to do it in Bufo. But ayahuasca the whole time was really, really hard work. Whereas Bufo was really, really nice and pleasurable. And it's like, I almost prefer, I don't know, right now, maybe the grass is always greener. I almost prefer the hard work within ayahuasca ceremony to all pleasure, Bufo, and then real life is hard because sometimes I just feel like I don't have like the wherewithal, the courage. And that's why I'm so glad I have you, Casey. I know. And Mana too. Yeah. You both are my courage right now. Yeah. Yeah, coming back was tough because we also spent like the next few days together and then back to reality and it freaking hit hard. Yeah, because we were pretty blissful for those couple of days and then we kind of just started becoming more human again. Yeah, it was tough. Another thing I, I realized about it, if anyone's like light language curious or feeling like maybe I have it. I realized across my entire life, it's always been there. It's always been, it's always been there. Like the way I talk to animals, <laughs> it's completely, like my whole life, I've always had a special language for animals and that, that's it. That's light language. Or I always had like sang little random songs that weren't in English to myself as a kid and thinking, oh, I'm just gibberish, gappa gappa. But no, it was it. It was there all along. I just didn't believe in myself. And another thing is I, um, I've noticed that the things that must be done 
in order you for it was almost like I was shown what's possible, where I can go, what will what what how I will feel when I release what's between me and that purest expression of me. Because of of course, with all these medicines, they give you the key and then you have to do the renovation to the house. Like they help you enter the house, they help you locate the house, and then you have to do the work to make it what you want it. And whenever I've been presented with an opportunity, I'm like, oh yeah, this was in Bufo. Oh yeah, I'm not ready to, to change this right now. Then I feel absolutely horrible. Oh, yeah. He does not let you. Like, same thing with me. As soon as I get home, uh, somebody that I should not be talking to <laughs> starts talking to me. And I kind of went for it. And the, like, me resisting was oh he made sure to make me as uncomfortable bufo yeah bufo made sure to make that situation the most uncomfortable and i had nothing else to do but to just totally let go of that so he yeah very strong and how many times have we called each other been like oh i know what i need to do and i don't want to do it and then and it's at least twice a day ever since (laughs) And what I'm so grateful for too is our highs and lows have been they yeah they've matched like no they she was high when I was low I was low when she was low so we were able to be there for you mean you were high when I was low yeah yeah you said you were low when I was low oh yeah yeah no. No, yeah <laughs> and it worked so we were just like thank God that you're you know humanly capable of holding space for me right now because I can't do that for anybody but it's been what a trip man i'm ready to do it again <laughs> are you <laughs> i think i'm ready to do ayahuasca before bufo again but that being said you know i have friends who've done it like two or three times within a year of doing it after the first time so it really is so specific to the person you really just need to listen yeah I remember sitting with Hoppe and I was like, what's the next plant medicine I need to do? Like, I need something now because I was trying to integrate. And I was like, okay, well, now I need help with that. So I'm just going to reach out to a plant medicine. And they're like, bitch, sit there and do the work. Like, (laughs) you're doing it. Being human is the most difficult ceremony and the most rewarding ceremony of all. Yeah. Are there any other... I'm going to feel in to see if there's any other last, like, parting. Because this has been such a big podcast we've been wanting to do for a while. So I just want to make sure we crossed our T's and dotted our I's. And what a difficult experience to explain. Because it's all of this that happened in the span of a few minutes. A lifetime. A lifetime of work. Yeah. And there's so much that I, you know, forgot about. Everything has definitely become more clear. Well, yeah, there's moments of resisting. I think we're not giving ourselves enough credit because there's also huge changes and opportunities that we've said yes to. Yeah. It almost progresses timelines. And I mean, where I am right now with my light language is I, it's what I do. Every time I do hape, it comes out. If I play my drum, it comes out. If I'm driving in the car and I'm finished with a client and it was kind of even if stretching somebody and it's just it was just they have strong energy or my energy wasn't my boundaries weren't completely up it i i do it and it like sometimes it comes out like a sneeze like there's no control or sometimes i hear it in my mind first and then i start singing it and it's every time it's just been a home base for me i feel so comfy and at home when i do it it helps clear me out and i it's changed completely how I heal other people because it's 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 my higher self. It's not my human healing people as much anymore. Like Stephanie comes in here and there, but it's like I'm not as uh, human in it, I guess. I'm a little bit more in my higher self. And as I was saying, that's, oh, another thing I wanted to mention about um, the family member. Um, I, shortly after doing Bufo, I went to do Sananga which is another plant medicine, it's eye drops, it's a non-psychedelic. And I went to call in to just do work. Something that I do with Sananga is I do work in clearing out old traumas and memories that are hanging on me that I need to clear out in order to have a, a better, clear relationship with someone. 
And with that family member that I told you I was setting a boundary with in the beginning, it was so hard. When I went to do the Sananga and I called in those memories, there was no more emotion behind it. Like, Bufo cleared that shit out. And very within a couple of weeks of doing Bufo, I opened the door to that family member again. Of course, there's more work to do, but I don't have this strong, visceral victim or angry, resentful reaction at all anymore. It's made me a better friend, family member, everything, everything. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Bufo. Thank you, Bufo. And Stuffy. Thank you, C. It's definitely good to have someone you love with you doing it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for listening. If you want to work with me, you can find my website, schoolofwhispers.com, in the show notes. If you want to connect with Casey, you can find her Instagram in the show notes. Do you want to share a little bit about what your offerings are? Yeah, so I am a Reiki practitioner. Um, I live in West Palm, so if you would like to connect, follow me. (laughs) If you would like to connect, sorry, Casey's new to this. (laughs) If you would like to connect, maybe go to one of Casey's Reiki circles. She works with this beautiful healing center called 10,000 Names, and they host Reiki circles every month, multiple times in a month. Casey also is trained in serving cacao, so she can also give cacao ceremonies if you want to organize an event. Reach out to either of us. We've also been doing group healings together too, working with plant medicine. So, And by the time this is out, I'm sure there was going to be other offerings, so just check out my website, check out Instagrams, and we will be feeling your energy next week. (laughs) 